This is Geek 4, a podcast about fans, fandom, and fan culture. I'm Dr. Michael Boyce. Everyone likes something, but what are you a geek for? Carrie Twig is the author of The Career Stories Method, 11 Steps to Find Your Ideal Career and Discover Your Awesome Self. She's a career coach who uses stories to help people discover their ideal career and about themselves. She's a TEDx speaker. She's a LinkedIn top voice, a highly sought after conference speaker, and she's my sister-in-law. And I'm very grateful that she's here today to talk to me about something she is a geek for, which is storytelling. Carrie, thank you so much for joining me. I love that we're doing this. <laughs> it's very exciting. And having not been together in the same room in almost a year, it's nice to just chat because I think we we have a good rapport. So we do. Yeah. Although I feel like most of our rapport, like I think the story of us um <laughs> is is best told just with the eye rolls that we make at family meetings. Like it's yes. it's a silent story. <laughs> Yes, it's a very silent story. Like, oh, what have we gotten ourselves into? Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. Because we, um, well, I think the most the most famous story that comes up in our family, in the family that we both married into, is we can't ever get rid of um, hearing about Scruffy, yes, <laughs> <My> childhood dog. <laughs> yes, I, however, <laughs> met Scruffy, and oh, <laughs> I, I, I actually okay. knew Scruffy. So, okay, but sorry. yeah, no, it, no, it is, it is, it is, it is one of those things we can't escape, um, and we love them uh, so much. We love them, yes. so much, yes, and Scruffy, <laughs> and Scruffy, he was a lovely dog. Big question to start with. Why do you think stories matter so much? Oh, that's a huge one. Um, yeah. So there we go. I don't mess around. <laughs> you don't. You're like, let's go. So um, I think stories matter so much just in day-to-day life in the way that, that they instantly connect people to other people. Um, it's how we learn and how we share important information. And then I think we can take stories and then they can they can matter in a bunch of realms so they can matter in art and literature they can matter in our relationships they can matter um in our careers yeah but i think it's the instant like we're all we're all we're all made to um connect to them we're all made to tell them in our unique way um and they matter because it's just it's an instant there's nothing else i don't think that can connect people so quickly Mm. As somebody who teaches and studies literature and, and film, like I, I, I feel that. I feel that. And that's one of the things that so amazes me in the work that you do is how you have incorporated stories as this cornerstone thing. We're story people. We make sense of the world around us. We communicate about our, our stuff. It's all stories. Yes, absolutely. So what are the marks for you of a good story and a good storyteller? Um, so it, it differ. I don't have a checklist. Um, my, I think for me, I think a really great story and a mark of most stories, and we could probably argue about it, but that like something needs to change. Right. So I think I like a story where, where something changes. I think, um, cause I talk about, you know, stories and careers, what people tell a lot is uh, people kind of announce things a lot and think that they're telling a story. And so they're like, I'm speaking at a conference and they're like, I'm sharing my story. I'm like, no, like nothing has really changed. If you told the story about how you never got invited to speak 
And then you got invited to speak and, or, you know, your, your dream person invited you after you did like, then that's a story. So I think great stories, things have to change. I, I like stories where I'm surprised, like where I can't believe the turn it took and where I can't predict the turn that it's going to take. Um, but it still makes sense in like, in the world of the story. Um, and I think that's maybe the third piece is that the story, the world that creates, even if it's completely a bonkers <laughs> premise, you still believe it because the rules and the way that it's being told, like they don't, they don't uh, ruin it for themselves. Um, yeah, great storyteller. <laughs> so I think a great storyteller, I think they know their, their unique style. So they're not, they're not, they might learn from other people, but I feel like the greatest storytellers just know, and they've told stories well enough for long enough that they know how to hook people. Uh, they enjoy it just as much as you, like they're, they're into it, mm. you know? Yeah. Like I think my father was the best, he was the best storyteller um, ever. Um, and he could like, his eyes would sparkle when he would tell certain parts, usually nasty stories, but his eyes would like, cause he knew, he knew you were hooked and then he knew how to pause and then give enough details that you were, that you were shocked. Um, yeah. <laughs> Is that where you got your love of stories from your dad? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Like, I remember being around a campfire and he would tell stories that just, he, he once we stayed at this uh, cabin <laughs> called, which was uh, a family friend's cabin and their last name was Stapon. And he would tell these made up stories about old man Stapon and how he was, old man Stapon was a serial killer and old, like all these wild, every summer he would add on to these stories. And then he talked about old man and this is, getting dark but he would talk old man Stapon um cutting up bodies and putting it in this old fridge that that they just had on the property right and one day he like dared me to go get it and like I could I couldn't like I couldn't open the door because he's like you'll find a head for sure so he would he would tell these stories and I know every summer he would and then I would try and tell him a story just to try and scare like I felt like I could get him um and I never could <laughs> So it, it was like, it was competitive, you know, um, I found other ways to connect, like connect with him later in life over stories, but yeah, never through, never through horror stories. Well, I don't know if I, I heard him tell it, um, but I, I definitely have heard the version, like you telling me about the stories he would tell Jules about the bus and things that would grab your toes on the bus. Yeah, no, I'm, I made that up, but he, he secured it. So I told her, I, so as a mother, I, <laughs> you I traumatized do, your children. <laughs> I traumatized my children through story. <laughs> That's just not a sellable thing. Right. Oh. So I can't, um, yeah. So I was like a single mom would bus with, with Jules a lot and, uh, didn't want her to cry on the bus. So I told her that there's these little things called gorches that lived in buses um but the thing is that they, they couldn't um they couldn't see but the only way they would find their very favorite snack which was children's toes was by hearing and so if they heard the voice of crying they could find their way to their children's toes now my father who when he was working on the railway 
um, and the reason why he would never let us have headphones as children. Um, my father's working on a railway uh, line and he got ran over by a train because uh, he didn't hear it coming. And he ended up losing uh, three of his toes. So I told the story of Gorches to Jules and then my dad pulled off his sock and said, the Gorches got me. <laughs> oh, your dad had this wonderful so, imper sense of humor that I just, I loved. And right? I, yeah. Oh, that's such a good story. That is such yeah. a good story. And he would do it with our dogs though. Like we would walk our dogs in the summer and they'd say, you know, does your dog bite? And my dad would be like, oh yeah, look at this. Like he just loved <laughs> to show people his missing toes, his mangled foot. And give a new reason for it and yeah, terrify people. All the time. Oh. Yeah. Sharks at the beach, like the wild dogs. The truth should gorgeous. not get in the way of a good story. Exactly. Yeah. Oh. So you're 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 growing up hearing these stories, like, and you develop a love of stories. I've known you for years now. And I mean, from your your acting and your writing, your drama teaching, you've always kind of brought stories in um has that been conscious like or is it just you're immersed in stories um so it's it's conscious now Mm -hmm. I don't think at the beginning like at the beginning at the beginning when I like and I still feel like I'm I, I feel still feel like I'm a drama teacher so when I was teaching drama I never felt like I was training people how to be actors I always felt like I was training people how to appreciate themselves, see what made them unique, and then express that with confidence. And the safest way to do that was using stories. So with children, it was coming up with pretend scenarios. Um, Yeah, pretend scenarios where they would play different characters, make different choices, and the consequences were just like, (laughs) maybe the story sucked, right? Or (laughs) maybe it kind of ended and I need to interrupt. Um, And then with adults, you know, helping them, um, like figure out who, who they were um, using like film scripts or picking a character and figuring out the action. So I think it it was part of it because it was drama. I don't think I made the connection between like stories and professional development, like that real until I had um, an adult student who's taking a film class, film acting class with me, get a promotion at work after he took the class. And he said it was because he's like, I think it's this drama class because I'm holding myself different. I'm speaking up. I'm more aware of my presence. I'm more confident. And then he got this promotion. Other people noticed. And I was like, oh, we could, we could, we could use this drama stuff. We could bring this um, like exploration of story play and people could use it to grow their careers. Mm. And so a light bulb went off in your head. Yes. And you thought business opportunity. And I thought I would like to make money. <laughs> well, because as much as like as much as I love teaching drama and like I had a class even called Mrs. Twig's Surprising Suitcase, right? Where I would just make up a 10 week long story with kids. Um and it would sell out. So I like I loved it. I knew that I was like you know, I was good at it. I felt like a top of my game in terms of teaching, but there's nowhere to go as a drama teacher. Like you're just, you're going to still make $35 an hour, even though you might be doing life-changing work. That's the, that's the best Mm -hmm. that it gets, even with an MED Um, or go teach drama and education. So I was sick of not making any money 
so I went, how can I take the things that I'm, that I already love to do, um, and do it, do it in a way that people want to pay me for it and then crafted a story around it. So talk to me about the process of getting people in a career sense to, to think about their stories. Like, how does that work without giving spoilers away for the book? Cause we'll, we'll plug the book. Yeah. How does that work? Um, so, well, you can do it with me. <laughs> so it starts with, uh, X cards and this comes from like a screen writing, like you probably know the technique, but, um, so brief background on it. When I would write plays and get stuck, I would write out the key scenes of a play on index cards. Mm -hmm. And then I'd play around with the order of them to see how I can make the, the story stronger. So when I was trying to decide, like trying to upgrade my career, that's what I did is I went, okay, so when was a moment in your career that you felt the most alive at work? You felt the happiest at work, write down that story. Do you know, like, can you think of a, like, can you think of a moment when you were sometime in your career, it just, you. Yes, I can. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> so it would probably be one of the very first classes I taught by myself and yeah. um, teaching at the university level. Um, it's interesting. There's not a lot of um, preparation that you get, you kind of, you learn how to be a student, you learn how to write good papers. And then in the PhD, you're just kind of thrown in the classroom without a lot of conversation about pedagogy. So you pick up things intuitively and, um, and then you just, um, you just go from there. And it was an early class where I had a couple students come back to me afterwards and they were like, that was really cool. And I was like, oh, was mm-hmm. it? Okay. Because I wasn't getting a lot of affirmation um, from other sources. I was just kind of paddling blind. And then I realized I'm actually pretty good at this and I enjoy it. So that was like an early, I feel really happy. I'm doing the right thing. Yeah. And when in that moment, like when you felt like you were doing the right thing, was it like when you got the feedback Or was it like, as you were teaching, did you like, did you see students nodding or participating in a way that you were like, yes, this this is how I wanted it to be. I think I saw students nodding, but I didn't really appreciate it until the feedback. And then that kind of triggered in my head, I should be watching for these things a little bit more carefully. Like, oh, that's what that meant two classes ago. Um, So that was really exciting. Gorgeous. Cool. So that's, that's the technique is getting an index card, taking a moment and going, when was I the happiest in my career? And then writing down a specific moment. So you would have your, you know, that early teaching moment. Then the next day, do it again, go, when was a moment in my career when I felt super alive, really happy, couldn't believe I got paid for it. I was in flow, whatever you want to call it uh, and write that story. And it can be big. It can be little, but you do that for seven days. Um, And then after seven days, look at all those stories. And then on the back of the index card, write which skill, like what skills or strengths you used in them. So in your university story, it was like, probably like your communication skills. It was um, meeting students where they're at, bringing relevant um, information, doing your research. Like you probably have 20 skills. If If you do the whole exercise, so if you look at all seven stories, if you notice that communication and meeting people where they're at and connecting it with, you know, culture is something that shows up in almost every story, then that's your story. 
And that's your career brand, right? So you're not just like a film (laughs) and literature professor, right? You're a film and literature professor who cares about teaching, who meets students where they're at, um, who brings in relevant, fresh information and loves to connect, which is, you know, very different than another kind of literature film teacher who might... Their, their wisdom or their like expertise might be in like obscure ex- examples or in um, like changing the way someone thinks. Like there's lots of different, different ways to teach, but what makes you unique in your career is the things that have already made you joy mm. and brought you joy. Mm. I like that. Yeah. So then that's, that's you know, when you introduce yourself, or when you're applying for jobs, or you know, when you're thinking about doing research, you wanna make sure that you are going for work that allows you to do that as much as possible. So we should never take you out of the <laughs> <laughs> No, and even as I've moved into administration, I mean, in some ways, this is an extension of the classroom. This is a, you know, this yeah. podcasting project is because I'm not in the classroom as much as I would like, um, but, I like talking to people. I like learning about people. I like sharing things. Yes. Oh, I didn't realize today was going to be so self-analytical. <sighs> yeah, but that's like, that's, yeah, that's the biggest thing. I just had a client um, who was working at Manitoba Hydro uh, in a coordinator role, but her husband got uh, moved for a job in Alberta. Um, and we did, I did, I, so I, when I'm working with clients, I'll do the seven cards with them. And then they tell me all their stories and I tell them what I see in them. And I go, this is what work brings you joy. These are the words she used to describe it. Um, and she said from that, she like she got two job offers from you know great companies in Alberta uh, and turned them down because they weren't her ideal work. And then a third offer came and she's like, it's my dream job. <laughs> like, and, and I could tell them exactly why I wanted it. And I knew exactly why I wanted it. And I'm going to, this is going to be, this is going to be ideal for me. So it's worth doing because, you know, if you're, if you're, because a title doesn't tell a story, right? How you did it Mm -hmm. tells a story and it, and it's, you know, your self story, but also what you can share with others. Mm. I I feel like you've, you've beautifully articulated something that I've partially internalized because I, I think I'm I'm similar to the the guy in your drama class as somebody who took drama all through high school, loved acting. That has certainly helped me in my professional career. I can stand up in front of people and talk. It doesn't freak me out. I carry myself a certain way. I think I generally am a pretty good storyteller because I like stories and have picked up things intuitively that um, that that you've kind of created a system around that it's ah. You continue to impress me, Carrie. <laughs> Carrie Twig. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, I mean, I know I've seen your plays. I know that there's this other side of storytelling that, that you have been part of. Do you, are you still working with other types of stories? Like not, not for careers? Yes. Oh, yeah. So this is like, this is always the, I don't know, what is it, the cobbler's son except I'm my own son <laughs> like, <laughs> so uh yeah um when my book was coming out I actually was so sick of having to back up things or be 
um, nonfiction mm -hmm. that I started writing short stories again. And they're really beautiful. <laughs> um, so I'm writing short stories. I'm submitting, they haven't been accepted anywhere, but I'm submitting them to publications and doing, you know, um, talking to other writers, following them on Twitter, like finding the, the niches, taking, you know, writing workshops with, with incredible people. So I'm doing that and it, it just, um, man, it fills the well, like it's, that's, that's the, that's the really good stuff. And I think it, um, I like, I like, I like this year, um, because I've been homeschooling Macy, mm -hmm. uh, but that's leaving chunks of time when she goes to do self-work that instead of filling it up with client work or like businessy things, I've just wrote. Um, and that's been, yeah, it's been very good. It's been great for me. How has working with people develop their stories changed or improved your storytelling in this capacity? Uh, like for my fiction writing? Yeah. Well, I think, I think you find like when people are telling stories, by the time they get to the part that's interesting, <laughs> you know, it's like two or three, like you're patiently <laughs> waiting for them to get to it. And you're like, ah, oh, there's the hook. So I think I'm like, let's just go for the hook. Cut it all the stuff. Yeah. Why are you, yeah. why are you doing that? Yeah. So mm -hmm. I think um, that's helped. I think the beautiful thing about my work is I get to hear stories about all these different sectors. So mm -hmm. I'll work with like, you know, a guy who, you know, um, made K-pop popular in the US, um, who's got these fantastic stories from Korea. Um, I had one woman, I really want to use her story. She said her father, his only job was, um, he was a swimsuit salesman and he would like go around to different stores and try and sell swimsuits to like big, big stores. And I'm like, I need to write a novel about a man <laughs> and a suitcase of swimsuits. Right. Like, yes. Yes. Oh, right. So I think that's awesome. Yeah. And I hear, I also hear, you know, stories about job loss and struggle. So I like, so I think picking up, I get to hear all these different voices. And so I'm not like stealing stuff from my clients, but mm. um, it's helping me to go like, wait, yeah, you know, sometimes the, the really simple, like my father sold swimsuits, <laughs> like that sort of stuff is so fascinating what it can do for our minds, mm. you know? Yeah. Mm. Well, even, even that it captures your imagination because yeah. I don't know any swimsuit salesman. Right. Um, who does? Who does? Um, to even think that that's a possibility. And then, you know, your mind starts to wander. Yeah. Well, does he show up with a bag full of Speedos? Like, you know, yeah. does he have to model these in the store? Um, <laughs> see? Yeah, I wrote a scene where he's meeting <laughs> these two other businessmen and they're just looking at these bikinis like laid out on a table. And they're like, I don't know if they're good because it was like, I think at the time he was selling them. Like, no, there wouldn't be a woman in leadership as part of that, that, you know, what are we going to put into, you know, this big store? It would be men making the decisions. Oh, I love it. Like, <laughs> so. oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for that right? image. Yes. Do you have time for some fast back and forth questions? Boop, boop, boop. Go. Go, 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 go. 
All right. Is there something that you're a huge geek for that would surprise people? <laughs> it's not so fast. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> I can edit and make it faster. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think I'm really geeky about meditation. Those who follow you on Instagram will know. Yeah. What is the geekiest thing you own? I don't know. <laughs> geekiest <laughs> thing I own? Yes. I don't, I don't think I own, like, well, what's geeky? Anything. Anything that you're obsessive about. No, like, I'm sorry. It's just books. Like, uh, that's fine. Like, it's just books are geeky. A whole lot of, it's a whole lot of books. I do like coming to your house because you have books everywhere. Yeah. Like just too many. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is there something that your husband has tried to get you to get into that you have just never been able to? Because your <laughs> husband likes geeky things. <laughs> um. Well, VR. <laughs> not a success in your house it's well no i started playing one uh started playing beat saber but um yeah he tried for a long time to try and get me um and i just can't get into alien what was the first thing you were a geek for way back young carrie hearing stories about old man what's his name old man stapon dance <laughs> like dance dance you love dance? Yeah. I would create little dance routines on my driveway, uh, teach them to earthworms. Um, <laughs> and if they did it wrong, I'd cut, cut them, which is rude. But um, I heard they grew back heads. Um, but I would wait for someone to walk by. Um, and then I would do this big dance routine, have like a pink ghetto, because I thought someone from Hollywood was going to just discover me. Drive by in Winnipeg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like how your mind works, Carrie. Where can people find you if they want to learn more about you? All right. Social media. So I'm Carrie Twig on Twitter. I'm Career Stories Carrie on Instagram and Carrie Twig on LinkedIn. And I will link to all of those in the show notes. And can you say a little bit about your book? Well, I love my book. My book is a gift. <laughs> Um, to the world. It, it is. It really is. Um, when I was writing it, uh, I was sick. Um, I couldn't walk. And, you know, we, we weren't really sure what was wrong with me. Um, and I was like, I have to share this, <laughs> this method. So it got me through. It's like, you know, got me through that. Um, yeah, but it, it really, it shows you the exact steps to take if you're trying to figure out what makes you awesome. And then once you figure out how that can help you to know where you could go next in your career and then how to share a story in a way where you don't feel like a doofus doing it. All skills everyone needs. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, I really appreciate it. This is it. super fun. Thank you. This was a lot of fun. It was good just to talk. Because yes. <laughs> someday we'll be able to have family dinners again. And yes. You know, we can do more than just raise eyebrows at each other. Yes. Thank you for joining me on Geek 4. You can follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Geek4Pod or me on Twitter at MWBoyce. If you listen on Apple Podcast, click the subscribe button and consider leaving a five-star review. Be sure to join us next time when we learn what someone else is a geek for.